My next guest is Bruce Devlin. Before I get to Bruce, I want to remind you about Two Under, men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2, U-N-D-R.com. 2under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scone changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too. So spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXT on T20. So next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's scony.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. All right, now back in next on the tee with me is PGA Tour legend Bruce Devlin. Let me remind you about Bruce's background. He was born in Armandale, Australia. He won the 1959 Australian Amateur Championship. Turned pro in 1961, joined the PGA Tour in 1962, and he won eight times out on the tour between 1964 and 1972. He also won once out on the Champions Tour. He is one of only four players to make a double eagle at the Masters. He holds a four-wood on the par 5 eighth hole in 1967. He played in 61 majors on the PGA Tour, made the cut 51 of those times, and had 16 top 10 finishes. He had 31 professional wins in all, including eight on the PGA Tour and, like I say, one out on the Champions Tour. His last win on the PGA Tour came at the 1983 New Zealand Shell Open at the age of 46. He was 57 when he beat Dave Eichelberger in a playoff to win the FPH Healthcare Classic out on the Champions Tour. He retired from competitive golf in 1998 to focus on his golf course design business. He's designed over 150 courses around the world. His courses have hosted several professional golf tournaments on all tours. He's also one of the all-time great broadcasters. He worked for NBC and ESPN, and I am beyond thrilled to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bruce, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, you're welcome, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. Bruce, we're on the heels of the Byron Nelson Classic. It was great to see Jason Day not only get back in the winner's circle, but do it for a second time there. You also won that event back in 1969. It was only the second year that it was named in honor of Mr. Nelson. You won by a stroke over Frank Beard and fellow countryman Bruce Crampton. What do you remember about winning that week? Oh, it was uh, obviously a great thrill, especially with uh, Byron's name on it. And then for for quite a, quite a lot of years, uh, the champions used to have a dinner there, sort of like the uh, Augusta Masters dinner on the 
Tuesday night. And uh, that went on for, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 or 16 years. And then for whatever reason, it's uh, it sort of stopped. So um, I'm sure a lot of the guys would have uh, loved to have had the opportunity that I had to sit and talk with the great Byron Nelson. And uh, uh, obviously, Winnie's golf tournament was a lot of fun. And Bruce, we're at uh, the PGA Championship week. It's being played at, at Oak Hill. You played at Oak Hill in the 1968 U.S. Open. You finished tied for ninth that week. You played there again in 1980 at the PGA that Jack won. What do you remember about competing at Oak Hill? <laughs> it's a difficult damn golf course is what I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, it, uh, you know, it was, uh, it is a difficult golf course, but I think it's a very fair golf course. And I, I actually would, uh, I would like to see what the redo of it uh, looks like. I, I hear and read a lot of nice things about it. So, uh, I'll be watching this week. Uh, I'd like to, like to see the changes that were made, and uh, we've got a hell of a field there too. So from what you remember about the golf course, what do you think it's going to take to win there this week? Oh, you know something, uh, Chris, to be quite honest with you, I don't understand the golf game today. Uh, you know, when guys hit it 330 yards off the tee and hit, eight irons, 210 yards. I mean, I I can't get my head around that because I, I never saw it. I don't understand it. So I wouldn't have any idea what it would take to win there. Uh, I mean, these guys are shooting. doesn't matter what sort of golf course they go to, I guess. It, you know, it's a 20 under week. You know, I don't think that'll happen there, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised what the score was, to be honest with you. So let's take that a step further. Do you think the idea that model local rule of potentially rolling the golf ball back at the pro level, is that the right thing to do? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I think the greatest player that we ever had, uh, certainly through my, my period was Nicholas. And he now for 30 years has been saying that the golf ball is going too far and, you know, it's affecting a lot of things. Uh, making some of the old great golf courses uh, unplayable for these guys. They can't hit drivers off a lot of the tees. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's totally different, but I think the bifurcation of it, uh, it may work. Uh, golf is the only sport, professional sport that I know of, where you can go to the place of uh, competition and you can bring your own golf clubs and you can bring your own golf ball. And if you think about football and baseball and basketball, uh, you know, they're all, you know, they're all controlled. They're centrally controlled. Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe this will help. I don't know. You know, you look at a club like Marion, uh, these guys today, I doubt if they'd hit their driver three times during the round. Is that right? Sure. Well, you know, they hit three woods, 300 yards. So, you know, what the hell do you need to drive it for? <laughs> yeah. Let's expand upon that a little bit. You wrote a book back in 1970 titled Play Like the Devil, where you gave tips for how to cut strokes off our scores. Is the advice that you gave back then any different from what you'd give now? 
No, no, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, there are certain basic fundamentals that uh, that you need to have to play the game, you know, on, on a professional level. And I think they've, they've pretty much stayed the same uh, over the years. Uh, I mean, you look at a guy like, uh, I'm going to use an Aussie here, but you look at a guy like Adam Scott, who's sort of been in the uh, the, the back end of my era, and now he's playing in this, you know, high-length area. And he's he's been able to... Uh, He's been able to go along with the way the golf ball and the clubs have uh, have improved, and he's still competitive today. So I, I think you know you couldn't find a better golf swing than what he's got, and and it's obviously uh, it's stood the test of time. Bruce, in that year of 1970, you won the Bob Hope Classic, which was a five round golf tournament at the time. You shoot 66 in the final round to beat Larry Ziegler by four strokes. What was it like not only winning that golf tournament, but then all the stars and the people that always were around the Bob Hope Classic? <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of them around then. But yeah, something that happened after the golf tournament was probably one of the nicest things that ever happened to me. Uh, I'm not sure you uh, you know, but uh, I mean, a lot of people knew that I I played in the Bing Crosby for 10 years with Dean Martin, you know, the all-time great yes. pruner of in history. And uh, I was in the press room after the golf tournament, after victory, and I got a phone call from him and he said, I've sent a plane down for you and your wife, Gloria. You're coming to the opening of my show at the, um, you know, uh, you know, I've lost, I've lost the name of the facility that he was opening at, but uh, we got to, we got to get on a plane and go up to Vegas and, have dinner with him and then sat right in front of the stage uh, when he opened the show. So that was a, that was a pretty neat way to finish uh, a victory at the, at the Bob Hope. I'd say it was. And Bruce, also that year, you win the Cleveland Open. The final day, you guys played 36 holes because of weather earlier in the week. You go out the morning round, you shoot 66. You come back in the afternoon, you shoot 64. It was the lowest score ever on the PGA tour for rounds played on the same day. And afterwards you said it was something like Houdini getting out of the casket. It was one of the best putting uh, rounds I ever had. Yeah, you remember well, about that? Yeah. Well, to shoot, you know, to shoot those sort of scores, you know, things have got to be going well. And, uh, uh, I, I would say generally speaking, Chris, I was a pretty good putter, but, uh, that particular day, I mean, it looked like a bucket. So, uh, I made a lot of parts, and uh, that's a pretty low score to shoot in one day. But, yeah, it was fun. Bob Van Hagee was a wonderful golf course architect back in the day. Talk about the impact that he had on your career. Uh, he was, uh, well, maybe, the, maybe the, uh, the early part prior to him and I getting together might be the interesting part because I was a member of a golf club in Sydney. I played pennant for them as an amateur called the the uh, Lakes Golf Club. And after I turned pro, the president of the club called me and he said, uh, Bruce, I'm not sure whether you understand what's happened, but the state of New South Wales is going to put a freeway through the golf course. And I want you to, when you go to America this year, please you know, try and look at some golf courses that are being constructed. And 
come back and make a recommendation to us, you know, for a guy that would come here and rebuild the Lakes Golf Club, knowing that there's a freeway that's going to go through it. Well, I looked at a lot of golf courses under construction. I never talked to one of the architects. Uh, I went back and made a recommendation that they hire uh, Bob Von Aggie, who was a Dick Wilson protege. And uh, that's how it all started. Uh, when he got over there, he said, <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure why I'm here, but thank you for, you know, for uh, recommending my name. And one thing led to another, and we ended up forming a, a company together, and we built probably, oh, I don't know, maybe 125 golf courses together around the country and actually around the world. So it was, uh, it was you know, it was a fairly long relationship. And then, you know, like everything, it sort of it dissipated towards the end and I ended up going out by myself and um, he went his way too. So, and then I might also tell you that uh, he was married to one of the first LPGA gals that put the tour together who actually passed away today. Marlene oh, Hagee no. died today. Wow. That's so, true. A little postscript for you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Bruce, just a couple more before I let you go. In the 1967 Masters, you become one of only four players to make an albatross on the par five eighth hole. You hole a four wood from 248 yards out. Talk about that shot. Yeah, well, that was, uh, I had my daddy with me too that year, and uh, I hit it in the right rough on the right-hand side of eight and had a perfect lie. And I knew the only, they just rebuilt the green. So I knew there was only one way to get into it. And that was about a 30 degree angle to where I was. So I hit about a 15 or 18 yard hook and it just sort of pitched just sure the green run up on the green and went into the hole like a putt. So uh, that was, uh, that was quite a thrill. My dad got to see it happen too, that which was a lot of fun. No doubt. Bruce, you once said, I'm not physically strong enough, nor do I have the mental stamina to play week after week on the tour. If I stayed out on the tour regularly, they have to put me in a straight jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Uh, I've, I've always, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed doing other things. Uh, you know, if you look at my career, you know, I was a plumber early and then got into golf and then TV and architecture and now doing the podcast, you know, you know, doing all the history, all the great players that have ever played this game. It's been a, it's been a long and a, and a, uh, you know, a lot of different turns in the career. It's been a lot of fun, though. Before I let you go, you mentioned the podcast. It's called "For the Good of the Game." You and Mike Gonzalez do a fantastic job, as you said, talking to all the great legends that our game has had. Talk about the podcast and where people can find it. Yeah, they can just go to uh, for the good of the game, and just you know, just a couple of ideas about what's going on. We've we have uh, we've interviewed seventy four of the World Golf Hall of Fame and major champions, both men and women. Uh, we've we've interviewed uh, sixty eight major winners, thirty five World Golf Hall of Fame winners, and these players have won. 2,455 golf tournaments wow. between them. And uh, PGA, LPGA wins, uh, you know, nearly 1,300 wins. So it's been a 
It's, you know, uh, Mike Gonzalez come up with the idea. I wasn't quite sure about it. And he said, you know, you've got a good relationship with all the guys. And, uh, well, we got started and we're into our third year now. And it's, uh, we, uh, yeah, we finished with, uh, we did Justin Leonard today, just early this morning. So, uh, he was our 74th guy that, well, guy or gal that we interviewed. So it's wow. been a lot of fun. Bruce, how can they, you, you mentioned where they can find it, but where can they uh, follow you on social media? Because you're a wonderful follow as well. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I guess, uh, you know, I'm not too good at this, but I, Facebook, I guess I'm at Bruce Devlin 13. And uh, I don't know what the hell I am on, uh, <laughs> on Twitter, but, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter as well. And, and, to be quite honest with you, I probably wouldn't be on any of them except for Mike Gonzalez. He said, you know, if we're going to promote for the good of the game, you better get on Facebook and Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's why I got on. Well, Bruce, it's been a huge thrill having you back as part of the show again tonight. I hope I get the privilege of catching up with you a little bit later on this year. You're such a joy to spend time with. No, thank you, Chris. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, I appreciate what you do. You've got a great, uh, a great show, and, uh, and thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Take care, Bruce. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Okay, buddy. Thanks a lot. See you, Bruce. That is a great Bruce Devlin. And you, as you could hear, what a wonderful man, a great player, a great broadcaster. I used to love listening to him broadcast golf tournaments. He made every tournament better because of his insights and his broadcasting skills. They were second to none. His podcast, again, For the Good of the Game, F-O-R-E. So For the Good of the Game is where you can uh, listen to his show. It's on just about every major podcasting uh, network out there or application. So wherever you get your podcast content, you're probably going to be able to find For the Good of the Game on there as well. Mike Gonzalez, his uh, co-host, does a great job. They're a great team. So be sure to go check it out. Again, ForTheGoodOfTheGame.com is the website and uh, available out there just about everywhere you get your uh, podcasting content. Hopefully, like I say, we get the privilege of catching up with Bruce just a little bit later on this summer.